and I'll be your sleep guide tonight. Let's begin by taking a deep breath. And then another. And as we breathe, we're going to begin to quiet our minds, thinking only with anticipation about the stories we're about to hear. As you breathe, relax your hands and your feet. Then move that relaxing feeling to your legs and arms. Release any tenseness that you have in your limbs. And lastly, let's let our torso sink deep into our mattress. Deep, deep, deep. One more deep breath and we're ready to begin. Roscoe. Ever since I was a young boy, I've always been different, not psychotic, demonic, or anything like that, just not quite like the rest. I look different, I act different, I dress different, and I think different. This made it easy for the beautiful people of the world to mess with me, a lot. It used to bother me growing up, but as I've gotten older, not so much. Now I just look at the source and think, screw them, they'll be dead soon. I've never been too lucky with the ladies either. So after years of failed relationships, I found myself alone, friendless, and living in a 20-year-old trailer that I'm renting from a friend of a friend of a friend. It doesn't really matter who. Anyway, I thought to myself, I'm tired of being alone. I can probably get another girlfriend, but she just ended up getting on my nerves, and then we'd break up. Same old song and dance. No, this time I wanted a companion, someone who is happy to see me when I come home from work, someone who likes to go for walks, someone to write shotgun in the car, someone who will love me for who I am, not for what I have to offer them. I'm going to get a dog. The very next day I got up, hopped in my car and drove down to the local ASPCA to get myself a dog. I walked in, told the lady behind the desk what I was looking for. Nothing big, a small dog, a lap dog, so to speak. She said, sure, right this way. She took me into the kennel area and showed me many types of little dogs, many pinchers, chihuahuas, even a few Pomeranians. They were all lovely, but none of them really seemed to click with me. Then out of the corner of my eye, at the very end of the cages, all by itself, set a metal box. The box was fully closed, with a tiny barred window in the door resembling a prison cell. I said to the lady, what is that? She looked at me as if I wasn't supposed to ask and said, that's Roscoe. We're not really sure what kind of dog he is. He's been returned to us several times due to behavioral issues. He's scheduled to be put down later today. That's why he's in the box. I'd like to see him, I said. She said, I don't think that's a good idea. Starting to get annoyed, I said, the sign out front says all dogs ready for adoption. He's in here. He can be adopted. Now I want to see him. She said, yes, sir. With a you're going to regret it tone and took me over to the box. 
unlocked the door, opened it, and then I saw him. This little guy looked rough. His brown fur was matted to his body, crusty pieces of I don't know what in the corners of his eyes, like he'd been crying. His nails were a bit long and sharp. His eyes were jet black with the slightest hint of red in them. To be quite honest, he looked like he had just crawled out of the sewer and smelled like it too. He had an odor that reminded me of the summers I spent helping my uncle at his funeral home. He smelled like death, but he was friendly. He ran out of the box, ran up to me and let me pick him up. He licked my face for what had been to be in at least 10 minutes. He was wagging his tail and just going crazy with excitement, and so was I. I told the lady, this little guy ain't dying today. Roscoe has a new home. A look of worry fell over her face. After filling out some paperwork and getting his dog license, I took Roscoe home. First on the agenda was a bath. He was rather calm in the bath, seeming to enjoy it. After that, I dried him off and brushed him out. I had to use one of my old brushes since I didn't have a dog brush. We went to the local pet store next. I won't mention the name of the place due to legal matters. I'll just say the people there are smart about pets. We got all the necessities needed to take care of my new friend. The drive home started out normal, just driving down the road. I've always been a cautious driver, always going the speed limit or below. Apparently, the guy in the car behind me didn't like it and sped up to pass me. Eventually, everyone does. He pulled alongside of me and yelled, get the hell out of the way, moron. Learn how to drive. Roscoe went crazy, barking and jumping at the dash as the guy passed, growling, showing all of his teeth, drooling and clawing the dash. The red tint in his eyes was becoming more apparent now. He began banging his head against the windshield in a crazed attempt to get at the guy, hitting it so hard it split his forehead open, blood running down his face on the windshield and the dash. Oh my God, what the hell is happening? Roscoe, calm down, stop, Roscoe, stop. I finally had to pull on the side of the road. Roscoe was still frantic. I threw an old t-shirt over him so he couldn't see, grabbed him, telling him it's okay over and over again. His body went limp. I thought he was dead. I pulled the shirt from over him, and the second I did, his eyes opened. He was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to play like nothing ever happened. What the hell? I took the shirt and held it over his forehead, stopping the blood. I washed him up fully when we got home, cleaning the dash and the windshield as well. We spent the rest of the day playing in the yard and hanging around the house so he could get used to his new home. The trailer park I live in isn't the best of places to live. The lot rent is cheap, but that's the only good thing about it. It's a dirt road in a U-shape with trailers running parallel with the road on both sides. This is apparently where the term trailer trash came from. It's not that the people are bad or anything. It's just cleanliness isn't their way of life. Old refrigerators, car parts, and various other piles of junk clutter their yards. The trailer at the end in front of the park had been raided a couple of times by local police, and there's always cars pulling in and out of there. I think they're selling drugs, but that's none of my business. In the middle of the park, there is what the park manager calls a playground. 
It consists of an old beat up swing set, a rickety metal slide, and a sandbox that most of the cats around here use as a litter box. Most of the older folks here just sit out there and talk all day. No kids ever play there, and who can blame them is a lawsuit waiting to happen. The night I realized Roscoe was the perfect friend for me came about two months later. That night, while taking him for a walk around the park before going to bed, we passed the old playground. Something told me not to cut through there, just complete the circle around the park and go home. But it was close to my house, and I was really tired. At the playground, there were two guys I'd never seen before in black hoodies just hanging out. One on the swing and the other on the slide. As I passed them, I heard the guy on the swing say, Nice dog, can I pet him? I said, sure. As one guy bent down to pet Roscoe, I heard the cocking of a gun and felt the barrel press hard against the back of my neck. Give me your freaking money or you're dead, the guy from the slide who now had a gun said. The other guy leaped up and grabbed me and slammed me against the slide, dropping the leash in the process. What happened next sent shivers down my spine and filled me with excitement at the same time. Roscoe went insane, his eyes turning bright red, skipping the growling and clawing part and went straight for the guy's neck. He leaped up from a sitting position and grabbed the guy's throat, digging his claws into the side of the neck and ripping out his voice box with his teeth. Blood spewed everywhere as the guy fell onto the ground, Roscoe still attached. The guy with the gun ran like a little bee. The guy on the ground was gasping for air, blood pouring out of his mouth and the hole in his throat as he choked on it. He tried to hit Roscoe to get him off, but my boy was relentless, biting and clawing at the guy's face, ripping and tearing his eyes out, part of his cheek and his entire nose down to the socket. Maybe I'm wrong for this, but I don't care. After years of being messed with by a-holes like this, it was great to finally get revenge. I started chanting Roscoe on, get him boy, get him, kill that piece of crap. And that's just what he did. As the guy took his last breath, Roscoe stepped back and fell over his body limp and lifeless, blood covering a snout with pieces of flesh and eyeballs hanging from his mouth. Two seconds later, he sprung back to life, happy and energetic, chewing on the eyeball pieces like a play toy. Good boy, Roscoe, I said as I picked him up, staring at the mutilated corpse that lay at my feet. Screw him. Let the cats eat the rest, I said. I carried Roscoe home, washed him off, and fed him the biggest steak I had. Raw, of course, just how he likes it. I had the best night's sleep that I've ever had, Roscoe right by my side. Homicide detectives and police flooded the park the day after, going door to door looking for witnesses. Mrs. Jacobson from three trailers down found the body. She had to be given oxygen and a ride in the ambulance to get checked out. It traumatized her so bad. I'm sorry, Mrs. Jacobson, I really am. When the cops came to my door, I, of course, saw nothing, and Roscoe was on his best behavior, laying on the living room floor pretending to be asleep. I watched the coroner carry the body away. The cops finished up and went away, and I asked my neighbor what happened. She said, some guy was mauled to death last night. The cops think it was some kind of wild animal that escaped from the circus that came through about a year ago and attacked a guy. 
There have been numerous bodies found in the area with wounds such as the ones they found today. They're writing it off as that. Roscoe and I couldn't be happier together. He has a loving home and I get to seek revenge. So if any of you a-holes from my past are reading this, I haven't forgotten. I will find you. I will get you. Well, Roscoe will. He's not a bad dog. He's just very protective. A Wendigo broke into my house. Before I begin, I'm a 16-year-old male. About three years ago, I was living in Virginia, visiting family over the summer. We were right outside the D.C. area and staying in a two-story house near the freeway. On the other side of the freeway was a forest. So my mom, her boyfriend, Eric, and I were all staying with Eric's parents. We had brought some night vision binoculars and decided that tonight was a perfect time to use them. So after dinner, we gear up and head out. We passed under the freeway and headed into the woods. When we get about five minutes into the forest, we sat down our bag and took out our binoculars. My mom looks around with them for a while, seeing a few squirrels here and there. She got tired of them and then passed them to me. I looked around for a while, being careful not to look at the freeway for fear of being blinded. I spot something behind a tree about 50 feet to our left. I concentrate on it, trying to figure out what it was. It looked like a pale, bald, anorexic man looking straight at us from behind the tree. I get a bit uneasy, but I'm hesitant to believe it's really there. I asked Eric to take a look just in case. To my despair, he sees it too. He describes it much the same way I did. Now, Eric is a former amateur boxer and I train MMA almost every day, but neither one of us wants to stick around with that thing. We start heading back to the house, crossing under the freeway. We take another look behind us as a car comes by. All three of us see glowing eyes lit up by the headlights on the other side of the freeway. We say, F that, and head back to the house. When we get back, Eric's parents are asleep, and my mom and Eric go upstairs to the guest room. There's only one guest room, so I have the couch downstairs. I'm a little too excited after seeing the thing in the woods, so I end up staying up all night. Around 3 a.m., I'm watching TV and start hearing footsteps above me. I immediately remember our earlier encounter and panic a little. I try to calm down and tell myself it's just one of the dogs or maybe someone who couldn't sleep. I keep hearing the footsteps for a while until I hear a doorknob jiggle. I find it weird that they're trying to unlock a locked door, but I try to ignore it. They stop walking around for a few more minutes and then it's quiet again. I stay up until the sun starts coming up and then I pass out. My mom wakes me up and I remember the footsteps from the night before. I describe what happened and she asks if one of them got up at any time. She says no, and I think it must have been one of the dogs. That is until she tells me the room above me is the office. No one was in the office and the door stays locked at night. My heart sinks as I piece it all together. I don't know if it was that thing for sure, but I think it was. I've done a lot of research since then trying to figure out what that thing was that night. I found two creatures that seemed to match it. 
I think it was either a skinwalker or Wendigo. Whichever one it was, I'm just thankful that the door is locked. I know that I wouldn't be able to fight that thing no matter how tough I am. Something in the woods. I guess I'll start with the background. I'm a 33-year-old female, but the story takes place when I was a teenager living in a suburb of Chicago. The village I lived in was quiet and middle class. We lived like a mile from the police station, and the worst crimes we had was a murder or two and robberies, once in a blue moon. 99% of the time, boring and more boring. Unless you had a car, you were stuck just walking around the park at night with your friends. Anyway, one night my girlfriend and I decided to go hang out at a park with some guys at like 12 a.m. The night was a bit windy and we had a full moon. I even got a kiss that night from the boy I liked, but the night wasn't just fun and hanging out late. There was a deep forest in the park with a stream and a playground right next to it. The same playground that we went to with swings and jungle gem and columns. There's two bridges, one of wood, the one everyone uses, and one bridge made of rocks that's rarely ever used because it's deeper in the forest. Over the stream connecting the two halves of the forest park area. I'll get to the rock bridge in a minute. We hung around on the swings and chatted and just spent the evening together. I'm sitting and just looking around, talking, enjoying the peace and quiet in the moonlight. I have a full view of the forest and the dip of earth that I know leads to the stream. When I see something moving over that dip of earth, some dark shape, it looked like it was crawling out of the forest. An arm, then another arm. It pulls itself out of the ditch stream. A figure darker than that surrounding the forest and I'm sitting there frozen. I think I'm seeing things. It just kind of lays there on the ground and doesn't move. A flash of fear grips me. What if it comes this way? I look to my friends and no one notices anything. I look back and it's gone. Did it go back or go somewhere else? I really want to get out of there. Then one friend asks, did you guys hear about the urban legend of the rock bridge over the stream? Apparently some kids or something played on the bridge and fell over and died. What a thing to say after what I saw. But I didn't ask anyone anything and just pretended I didn't see anything. The experience stuck with me. I never talked about it because it must have really been my imagination. Things like that happen only in scary movies, right? But I rarely went to that park after that. And Black Thing, if you're real, I hope we never meet again. Who knows what would have happened if you saw me the same time I saw you. A true skinwalker sighting. To start this story off and to give a little insight about me, I am an 18-year-old female who grew up in Michigan. I've lived in the country for as long as I can remember. And for heads up, this is a long story, so bear with me. On one particular hot summer weekend, me and a couple of friends, including my boyfriend, let's call him Tony, and my older brother, let's call him Brad, decided we were going to go camping for the weekend since it was such a nice warm week. Tony's parents had owned a cabin way out in Ludington 
surrounded by a huge wooded area with a personal lake and no neighbors for at least four miles. But being stupid teenagers, we didn't really think about that. All we were ready for was a party like normal teens would. Well, after being there for two hours, our fun had started. Tony's friends had brought lots of alcohol and weed to last us for the weekend so we wouldn't be bored since we had no service and only movies to watch. After it got around 12 a.m. and was pitch black, we had a huge bonfire going. It was a total of six people, including me and Tony. As we talked and laughed about upcoming events in our lives, we were so distracted that we didn't notice that my brother had literally frozen his eyes on one section of the woods. Mind you, we were all intoxicated and high at the time. Eventually, our talk ceased when Tony realized his friend and my brother had an emotionless expression. Hey, dude, you all right? He asked Brad. Silence. Brad didn't reply or even make any movements that would indicate that we heard him. After that, I started to get scared as well as the other two girls there. It took a lot for my brother to act that way. Eventually, I was the first to catch on that he was excessively staring into a certain part of the woods. I turned my head and followed his gaze the best I could, and when I finally caught on to what he was staring at, my heart dropped. There, right effing there, was, at first look, a dog. At least that's what I thought. It was some person's dog that wandered off. But then my brain kicked in and I realized that there wasn't neighbors for miles, so how could there be a dog? My mind started to race while Tony still tried to get Brad to speak up or even move. In one motion, this thing stood up tall. When I say tall, I mean effing gigantic. It had to be at least six feet tall. Everyone saw it then. How could you not? The other two girls and the other boy with us gasped as they finally grasped why my brother was as still as a stick. No one moved for what seemed like hours. Tony was the first to talk. No tell, he mumbled. No one heard what he said but Brad, and I swear to you when I say his eyes were as big as pan saucers. That freaked me out immediately. What did you say? One of the girls asked. It has no effing tell, he hissed at her. My heartbeat stopped. He was right. There was no tell on this thing. Suddenly, my clouded alcohol mind cleared up a fraction when I finally realized what this thing was. Now I understood why my brother was basically pooping his pants. This thing was a skinwalker. My instincts kicked in right then and there before I could nope the F out of there with this thing let off a terrible stench like rotting meat before screaming inhumanly. The sound was enough to scare the F out of everyone. My brother was the first up out of his chair and started shouting native words to the creature while I told everyone to get the F inside. No one questioned me when they saw just how deadly serious I was, especially Tony. He's never seen me so scared, so he knew it was a bad situation. We all hightailed it to the cabin with my brother in tow, still shouting native words of the creature, which seemed to keep it at bay while it gave us enough time to get inside. He slammed and locked the door before turning all the lights off and grabbed a special ash from the kitchen counter and started throwing it at every window and door while chanting. Of course, he had everyone freaked out and basically in tears at that moment. 
after he was done, no one said a word for a long time, all of us still in shock. He grabbed our dad's pistol and had it posted by him for hours. Everyone was entirely too shaken up to even question what happened. We must have fallen asleep eventually because I woke up to my brother packing all of our stuff into two cars early that morning. I understand why. We had native family. We knew what we were dealing with and we knew it could come back and maybe not alone. Before I left, we did a blessing on the cabin and spoke a few calming words to the still very freaked out girls. We left as soon as everything was packed up. To this day, we still haven't explained exactly to our friends what happened that night. And they never bothered to ask us either. I hope that you've enjoyed the stories tonight and I hope that you're fast asleep.